0: welcome back once again to the outcomes rocket podcast where we chat with today's most successful and inspiring health leaders today i have the wonderful rachel francine she's the co-founder and ceo of musical health technologies we've had several uh, musical health focused companies on the podcast within the last year and Rachel comes to us with over 15 years experience building startups. Rachel has led teams and strategy for recognized leaders in technology and media, including City Search, Ticketmaster, and Current TV. Rachel has earned her master's degree in long-term strategic planning in order to build profitable businesses that also have done immensely well. Her specialties include startup strategic planning, systems theory, transformative economics, and sci-fi geekdom. (laughs) So I'm excited to dive into some of the things that Rachel is great at, as well as some of the focus areas and initiatives at Musical Health Technology. So Rachel, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you very much for having me.
0: It's a pleasure. Now, Rachel, talk to me. Was there something in the intro that I left out that maybe you wanted to share?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think the, the, the one thing I would dig a little deeper into, because you were very complete there is, is really the idea that the kind of businesses that I really want to build, or the organizations that I want to build are these ones that have triple and quadruple bottom line effects. You know, when you say, you know, businesses that can sort of do good and also do well, it's really the idea that we can prove that you can have a great business that does well financially that, and, and that has immense social good right? I think we're seeing a lot of tech companies out there that, you know, they're making all this money and then you're looking at them going, and was that really the right decision to let them run rampant with, you know, a lot of different things. So I would say that's the one thing is that's really what we're trying to do here show you can set out to have triple or quadruple bottom line. Uh, impacts where you're doing well for society, well financially, you're having transformative effects for people in society. It's another bottom line, as well as do well ecologically, although that one's incredibly hard at this point. That's a whole other podcast.
0: (laughs) For sure. No, and it's good to have that well-rounded focus as a company. What would you say got you into healthcare to begin with?
1: Yeah. So, for me, healthcare was a, a bit of a circuitous route. My background really is in technology and innovation. I started working on the internet in 1996, as you were saying, and really sort of my path to healthcare came because you would work for all of these very innovative companies. Maybe, you know, I worked at CitySearch early on, and CitySearch early on was sort of the Yelp of its day, and it was about your whole community at, at one address. And, you know, we covered Little League games, and we covered the restaurants, right? But eventually, somewhere along the line we got bought by Ticketmaster, right? And all of a sudden, what you really became was about selling tickets. And that was really the truth of it. And from there, I went to work at a lot of organizations that really claimed to want to be revolutionary and transform something or democratize something, right? And at the end of the day, what it came back to was becoming an advertising platform for Coke or Pepsi. And for me, that was That was a really hard pill to swallow after a while and really wanted to to figure out how can you use technology for good. Just so happened that I had a very crazy entrepreneurial technology sort of ahead of his time dad who came up with an idea for this weird thing called lyric coaching or lyric prompting that he really took from the opera, which which is what he studied. And the idea for that is you just prompt the words of song to somebody right before they need to sing them. Well, lo and behold, who knew that this was also um, a technique that music therapists and and, and speech therapists use to do everything from help people to regain speech after traumatic brain injury, to eliminate some of the behaviors and improve the lives of, of people with dementia. And um, my dad stumbled ac- across this technique and essentially just programmed my brother and I to live out his invention and and his idea. Um, I, I went into technology. My brother became a music therapist. And what I noticed-
0: <laughs> I like that he said he programmed you guys. <laughs> yeah, he, he did. No, I mean, he was, he was
1: very effective. He was Love very it. effective. You know, <laughs> he was really very inspirational. We were working from a very young age in a lot of my dad's businesses. So I think we were really- um, kind of, kind of programmed to be entrepreneurial in nature. I've never really known anything else. So, what we really noticed when Andy went into music therapy was this idea that music as a therapeutic medium has incredible—talk about transformative impacts, right? Like the ability to rewire the brain so it can—it can, it it's can amazing. speak. The, the ability to lower your blood pressure or to increase somebody's um, lung capacity who has chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, it can do, the, the the act of singing can do so many things. There's a real distribution problem. And what's the thing that technology can help with sort of better than anything is, is scaling something and distributing it on a wider basis. And so that's really where Andy and I came together, even though we've both been sort of working and looking at this problem since, since we were teenagers really and out doing karaoke shows, nice. you know, in one way or another. Andy became a music therapist. I uh, started music, uh, looking at music therapy when he was about 19. And, you know, I started in technology when I was in my early 20s. So, I think we both always looked at what we've done through sort of the lens of dad's invention and really found out, you know, how powerful it could be and decided it was time, it was time.
0: Well, the time has arrived and you guys are doing some very cool things. What would you say is a hot topic that needs to be on the agenda of healthcare leaders today?
1: Yeah. So to me, it's sort of the places where pharmaceuticals have maybe not lived up to their best potential. I think that, you know, we've put a lot of faith into pharmaceuticals to be able to solve a lot of problems. And the fact of the matter is, in many places, they do great. And in other places, not only don't they do great, not only aren't they able to solve the problem, but they, they cause a lot more problems than they solve sometimes. And that's evidenced by the opioid crisis. It's evidenced by, there was just another study on sort of how many, you know, sort of off off-diagnosis, antipsychotic medications, dementia patients get, right? So the only tool in the toolbox, and, and of course, you know, I'm totally coming from my own point of view in this, right? But the only tool, one of the only tools in the toolbox for a lot of healthcare professionals out there are pills, and it's not always the way to go. So I think to me, I would say sort of yes, yes, think fit. You know, Guy Kawasaki, who is Apple's evangelist, he always said, you know, the joke is, how do you know how do you know an entrepreneur is pitching? And the answer, of course, is their lips are moving. So the idea is that, you know, even though I am advocating for SyncFit and this idea that we should be looking at, at non pharmacological interventions, I don't think SyncFit is the only non-pharmological invention, uh, intervention out there. I think in general, the healthcare industry should be looking that way.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of different options. You're right. Music is one of them. Digital therapeutics, right? Right. right. So for sure, there's always a different way. And I think it's important for us to visit those ways so Rachel, can you share with the listeners how you and your organization are currently doing that? Maybe some stories where you, you've you improved outcomes or improved the process flow.
1: Yeah. So basically part of the challenge with music as medicine, as we were alluding to earlier, is there's a scale problem. So there's only 7,000 music therapists in the country, as opposed to 185,000 occupational therapists. So our goal as a company really is to figure out how do we distribute this in a way that works really well. And so what we did first was created a product for the senior living industry. And if you wanted to so within the senior living industry, you an activities department might have, let's say, two to four hundred dollars a month to spend on programming for the people who live at that community. So that means if you wanted to have a music therapist come in, and actually do music as medicine, you could maybe get them in there twice a month, right? Maybe three times. And this, you know, there's just a study out in in England where basically said, that basically did a meta study that said what works for dementia. And the results that came back was basically music, right? But only 5% of organizations are actually using, uh, care homes are actually using music effectively you care for people dementia. so we know we need to get it into these places so what we were able to do is say okay look we can take our technology which is our lyric our technology platform which consists of our lyric coaching technology which feeds the words to the, of a song to somebody right before they need to sing them so there's no memory involved there's no reading involved everybody can just instantaneously take part right and then We created music therapist design protocols that a $15 an hour, $20 an hour activities director in a senior living community, they can, in this one very specific instance, be able to deliver the same kind of therapeutic musical experience that a music therapist would be able to deliver. Now, the music therapist could deliver a lot of other kinds of of interventions as well, but in this one case, they're able to deliver it because we also give training to those activities directors. My answer, they get three hours of online training. So we use technology essentially to be able to enable more people to use music as medicine and bring it to a greater number of people.
0: Yeah. You know, that's really interesting that I didn't know the number of music therapists was so limited. Just kind of thinking through some of the things that you have done, have you seen or heard any of the results of of some of the, the programs you've run?
1: Sure. So essentially, we're at over 400 senior living communities around the country. And we've trained over 1,600 people. And we've done like four different studies with four of our clients. And so generally, we see something like a 42 to 82% elevation in mood pre and post session. This is both with people who have dementia as well as people. Who don't have dementia. We also see specifically for people with dementia a reduction in agitation and wandering. These are things that in, in sort of the dementia realm are called behaviors, right? So they're the things that sort of the outside mm-hmm. world sees as negative. But we see that people, we get comments back, people who never who never focus are completely transfixed by SyncFit, people who um, have repetitive kind of motion right? Those disappear with SyncFit and a lot of speech returning, right? People who don't normally speak will sing. And Mm. and sometimes that even carries over into increased speech after the sessions. And then at one of our clients, an adult day program here in California, they did a study that essentially said that they found when they looked at a group of participants, that they were able to reduce their as needed anti-anxiety meds by 40% by doing the SYNC-FIT sessions, and these are people who are, it's a vet, a lot of the people there are veterans, and so these are people with a lot of post-traumatic stress as well. Yeah, so we get, we get a lot of amazing, amazing feedback, and it's a really nice part of being in healthcare, actually, is when, you, when you, that's the kind of feedback you get, you know, somebody who's never talking, you know, who never talked to, none of the staff has ever, you know, seen uh, sort of converse with anybody is now walking down the hall and asking, hmm. what's the next session?
0: That's pretty cool. That's pretty yeah. cool. And, and the results are, are phenomenal. So Syncbit is the program. Is this a sort of game or is it a, a guided exercise?
1: Yeah. So SyncFit Prime, which is the product that we have on the market right now, this is very specifically for people sort of in long-term care. So either in memory care or assisted living, maybe in adult day programs. And this is really, was really our proof statement, this product. Where it's not really gamified, it's actually a group session that's led by an individual. So, an activities director, maybe a social gotcha. worker. They get trained and they essentially are given a script, 12 scripts, a quarter. And these scripts take the participants on a journey that involves songs. So, maybe it's a, a trip through Europe, right? And each one of the singers' cool. families from a different thing. And trivia and there's reminiscence and there's movement and all of this is baked in by our music therapist in order to have the maximum therapeutic effect. I think that one of the things that people don't really realize about what we do is that we sort of, we, we kind of think of ourselves as like a duck on a pond, right? Where on the top of it, what it looks like is people are singing and having fun. And underneath it, there's all this furious work that's going on yeah. to make it actual therapeutic activity, right? So that we're, we're baking in songs for ex- or movements, for example, that cross the midline of the body. Well, that can just look like you're doing a Rockettes kick and that can seem really nice. But the fact of the matter is from a neurological perspective, when you cross the midline of the body with a movement, you are then exercising both hemispheres of the brain, right? And this is what's able to like, once they get that mood elevation, once they, you know, once that stuff is, is sort of kicking in because of the singing, these are why you get these lasting effects because we're really building in really a therapeutic program underneath what seems like a sing-along.
0: That's super cool. Now, if the listeners are wondering, where can we get this? How do we find out How more? Do we find more? Where would you, where would yeah. you recommend they go?
1: So go to Singfit.com. You can do that. And there's a how lot of so it's S-I-N-G-F-I-T.com. Or I would recommend that you Google Singfit on YouTube. We have a lot of videos up there of people actually using the product and, and getting benefit out of it.
0: Awesome. Singfit.com, folks, yeah. check that out. And think about it. I mean, it just is it's pretty phenomenal what this group is doing, how they're putting it together and how easy they're making it for you to access this type of therapeutic for your population. So if you're managing an, an elderly home or or wherever it may be, you may want to be thinking about this for your population because it's definitely a good option. So tell us a little bit about, you know, you guys have been working on this for a while, right? Uh-huh. You You and your brother started this Uh, You said your dad, your dad programmed you uh, for it. And now here you are. Now, as the process has gone forward, Rachel, what would you say a setback that you've had that you learned the most from that you want to share with the listeners?
1: I think the setback that I learned the most from is really around billing and the healthcare industry. Yeah. Right. Is, is that when we picked dementia to start with, because, you know, this is.
0: Okay, by the way.
1: Yeah. So, so we could have gone with a lot of stuff, right? And, and we picked dementia for a bunch of reasons. One was that in 120 years, no, no pharmaceutical solution for dementia. Yeah. Right. So, you know, Numenda, Aricep, they maybe delay the onset, but everything else that's given for dementia wasn't really created to treat or cure dementia, right? Nothing's really worked. And so we knew that there was a lack of solutions on the market and we knew but singing was actually accepted more as a therapeutic tool in senior living communities and for people who are caring for those with dementia, because they see that it's the only thing that really works. So we knew that there would be, an ex- to some level, more of an acceptance of the product, our hypothesis was, in somewhere where they see it working every day, rather than trying to like break down the walls of, say, the hospital systems. And we wanted to start in, in a business-to-business fashion for a variety of reasons that, yep. that we could go into. But that's where we decided to start. But the thing that I didn't know about dementia when we chose it, I so said, we knew we could create a great product for it. We knew that there was a need. We went out, we, we talked to some people in the market. We asked them what kind of solutions they were looking for. We knew we knew could, And we knew because music therapists have been doing this for decades in senior living communities that we could really, really be successful with the product. But what we didn't know, what we didn't know is that dementia is not reimbursable by Medicare for the
0: most part. Yeah.
1: And so I think the sort of disillusionment, right, of of working in healthcare, and we're pretty much all business to some extent, you know, going in and really realizing how financially driven everything is, especially in the U.S., and that we you know you've really got to be able to prove that you can make a dollar or save a dollar you have to be able to show where that reimbursement is coming from and with dementia that is incredibly difficult so our next products focus on other areas and one of the big things that we take into consideration is where's the money coming from you know what's reimbursable what's not reimbursable how is that thing reimbursed i think that a lot of us come into a lot of technology people like me come into to healthcare and and we don't necessarily, you know, realize that the oh, the other the other thing, of course, is the length of the sales cycles. I didn't. I, you know, <laughs> that is the other they're thing, long. Right? They're long, right? So healthcare is long, and senior care is longer. So, you know, I think those would be the two things: is is really understanding, especially if you're coming in from outside of healthcare, as I was, that you know, coming from a more sort of consumer technology driven place, that the sales cycles are going to be longer and there's going to be different kinds of challenges around reimbursement and who's paying. And especially in this changing, in this changing healthcare environment.
0: Yeah. It's such a great insight that you're offering up here, Rachel. And, you know, as a lot of businesses do get into healthcare from a technology standpoint, reimbursement is definitely one that has to be at the forefront. And a lot of people run into this, right? Great ideas. And then they're, confronted with the reality of the healthcare system the beautiful thing is that you stayed with it you're offering your solution you've tailored it in such a way that created a business model for your triple and quadruple aim <laughs> and now you're you're taking your learnings and refocusing on a on a new area of care which i think yeah. is so interesting so kudos to you and and your brother and your team for having the the tenacity and the staying power because that that's really what what it's going to take to create that company that that's going to light it up.
1: Well, thank you. I, I agree. I think, you know, one day I was we were hiring somebody and I would I looked up, you know, what makes the best attributes for a startup employee and like the number one thing was grit, right? It was just like grit, the ability just to make yep. it happen because you can have a great idea, a lot of people have great ideas, but you're 100% right. I think especially in the healthcare realm where, you know, things can take a really long time, but it's worth it. It's, I've never gotten the kinds of notes from customers and from people using the product that, you know, it's different when you're helping to build city guides than when you're um, helping someone's, you know, mother with dementia, you get different kinds of notes. So
0: yeah. Yeah. that's, that's, that's rewarding. No, and thanks for sharing that, you know, and I think the listeners, it could resonate with a lot of them. I mean, we've to this point we've interviewed over 300 leaders this past year and, and yeah. Rachel you know you're not alone in this everybody's learning and as we build this communal knowledge of of what we could reimburse and what we can't and we just become stronger and we keep building so keep at what you're doing it's it's definitely making a difference
1: well thank you so much i really appreciate it Val.
0: yeah absolutely now tell us about an exciting project or focus that you're working on today Rachel
1: Oh my, there are so many. There are so many that PR departments from other companies are sitting on that I can't share. So we've signed a deal with a top five senior living provider, which means that we're now in 42 states across the country. So that's really exciting. We've also signed a deal with a pretty legendary singer-songwriter to actually use some master tracks, which I think is just sort of a fun a fun sort of thing that we're sitting on. There's that is a, pretty cool, actually. Yeah. Yeah. No, this, and it's, and it's somebody who's, who's quite respected and we're waiting for the record company to let us make the announcement. His, his people have already let us do that, but it's, it's a real validation from the music community of what we're doing. So that's really exciting. And then we also, there's a, an article in Stria News, which is an online publication, dot think.com. That um, is covering, was covering the industry and, and sort of gave a peek into the fact that we've entered into a relationship with AARP. So um, that nice. is, is exciting for a company in the senior space is to be talking to AARP about a lot of different projects that we are and, and sort of working towards a larger relationship. And then also we are launching a new product which is called SingFit Studio. And that product, it's really the platform. So SingFit Prime, which is the product that we are uh, doing for dementia, which is this group product that's been going great. And we continue to sell that. But this new product is really going to be sort of the backbone of our future and really give all different kinds of healthcare professionals the ability to use music as medicine with a variety of clients who have a variety of conditions and comorbidities, which is going to probably be a big focus of ours.
0: I think that's awesome. Congrats. Some amazing stuff actually down the pike here. So uh, I'm excited for you guys and uh, definitely looking forward to keeping in touch. As we get to the end here, Rachel, yeah. we're going to do a little um, syllabus. We build it out every episode. Okay. It, <laughs> it is the episode on how to be awesome at healthcare. With Rachel. And so um, I'm going to ask you four questions lightning round style, followed by your favorite book. You ready?
1: Okay, yes.
0: All right. What's the best way to improve healthcare outcomes?
1: Focus on the patient.
0: What is the biggest mistake or pitfall to avoid?
1: Assuming you know everything.
0: How do you stay relevant as an organization despite constant change?
1: Ah, scenario planning.
0: Love that. What is one area of focus that drives everything in your organization?
1: therapeutic benefit to the client.
0: What book would you recommend to the listeners?
1: I was just talking about biomimicry and design to hmm. somebody. So I would think about that. It's just a different way to think about creating products. And this particular way is by studying natural phenomenon. And so cool. it might not apply directly to everybody's product, but
0: it's an, a really interesting read. I love that. Great recommendation. It's all about changing that mindset. I uh, had a guest actually today, earlier today, she, she recommended poetry. Mm-hmm. She likes to read poetry because it really takes a look at language and, and, and the way that you phrase things. Poetry is made to surprise and to use different elements of poetry. And so your example kind of parlays really nicely with hers in that just look for different ways to change the frame. You know, the other example too, Rachel and listeners is, is I had a a guest that said, I make it a point for myself and my team to go to a conference that's completely unrelated to healthcare. Like they'll go to plumbing conferences or like something totally different, a food conference, and they'll find insights that are just amazing. So Love your, your example. Biomimicry is now on my list. So thank you for All that right. recommendation.
1: <laughs> yes, of course. Always love to recommend good books.
0: Hey, so, so Rachel, before we conclude, I'd love if you could just share a closing thought and then the best yeah. place where the listeners could look you up or follow you.
1: Oh, you know, I guess my closing thought is, in addition to my technology background, I studied future studies and and strategic planning. And in future studies, we sometimes talk about the probable possible and preferable futures. The probable future is the future where everybody kind of assumes it's going to happen. So in the 1950s, people always assumed computers would be as big as a room. But all over the world, you know, all these possible futures are being born, whether it's through technology or social change or whatever it is. And that's what a lot of futurists do is help to kind of game play what that's going to be for big organizations. My interest in future studies has always been about the preferable future. And it's looking at those possible futures and saying, what do we all really want and it's surprising how once you get down to it, most people really want the same things. We're just talking about it in different ways. Mm-hmm. And so my closing thought is, I think we should all build companies that create preferable futures and really think about what we want those preferable futures to be. And that's what I try to make our, our company an example of is a, is a good preferable future when you walk into the doctor, the the you know prescription he gives you isn't for something that's going to like cause all these side effects, but for something that's also going to bring you joy and delight and, and all these other kinds of good things
0: fascinating love that frame it's just uh you know probable preferable oh no probable, probable what was it
1: po- probable possible and preferable love that
0: yeah. probable yeah. possible and preferable yeah. so think of it in terms of that listeners i think yeah. it's a great message from rachel and rachel what would be the best place for listeners to all get right. in touch or follow you
1: so they can follow us um, pretty much everywhere we are syncfit.com and I don't really, you know, I started writing blogs in 1996 before there were really blogs and don't, I don't really get around to writing a blog much more anymore, but we do have one on the site. So if they want to look up some stuff written by me about what's going on, they could see it there on, on just on SingFit.com.
0: Awesome. And, and listeners, you could find the, uh, so s i n g f i t S I N G F I T.com. And you can also find the show notes to this episode at outcomesrocket.health slash Rachel, this has been fun. Uh, Thank you for enlightening us with these really neat things that you're up to. And we're excited to stay in touch with you.
1: I am as well. and, And thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity.